that this is probably gonna be different than what you're accustomed to. Uh, this is probably gonna reflect more of what my teens would get on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night. Uh, I figured since we're kind of changing up the format a little bit uh, of our Sunday night services that this might be a great opportunity to use a little bit more uh, of the multimedia. So we're going to have some PowerPoint up here that we can interact with. And the good news is that you'll get a chance to participate a little bit. Can I get an amen? amen. Oh, oh, you say that now. <laughs> but when I ask you a question and there's stone cold silence... <laughs> Because nobody wants to participate from, you know, that's the real reason why we roped off the back and had everybody move forward is so that you had to engage with the speaker a little bit more. That's not really the real reason, but I'm just going to pretend that's the real reason. So that's obviously what Pastor Tim wanted. He wanted me to have some more interaction with you folks. So uh, great opportunity for us tonight to start Local Evangelism Month a week early and just kind of get us geared up for what that uh, is going to mean. I, uh, I really appreciate Pastor Tim, the way that uh, we kind of laid everything out uh, up front here uh, and, and he kind of really uh, kicked things off a little bit ago. Uh, when he asked us that first question uh, a couple Sunday nights ago because we had Kent and Jenny sharing last Sunday night, but he asked us how are we doing uh, in, in in evangelism, and, and he kind of talked about the priority of, of evangelism and, and, and how we need to be, as a church, looking at uh, some of those things. So, so what I'm going to do briefly as we introduce the night tonight is I'm really going to kind of lay out uh, what the next month is going to look like, mornings and evenings and some of those different kinds of things, uh, and to kind of help us get a glimpse of, of where we're going and what we mean by this concept of, of gospel-shaped uh, outreach and, and what we want that to mean. So tonight we're going to be looking at the second session and we're going to be talking about who is uh, Jesus. And, you know, it's amazing to me that that. Even though 2,000 years ago, the world completely changed. And everything in our world is now thought of as A.D. or B.C. Christ is the centerpiece of all of human history. And yes, occasionally we'll have people in the academic worlds and, and, the, and those kinds of things who say things like, well, we need to change the, our dating system to CE and BCE, which means common era and before the common era, because they want to try to eliminate Christ from the history books. But the reality is, is that everywhere in the world, we know that Christ is the centerpiece of human history. And we as Christians understand the reality of what that means, but, but tonight we're going to be kind of unpacking the fact that the world out there really doesn't have a clue about who Jesus really is, the purpose of why he came, and, and, and all of those different kinds of things. And so we're going to be looking at some scriptures tonight that, that will help to prepare us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who have been born again and saved, and, and who are now the children of God, wanting to spread that evangel, that good news to the world around us, we need to make sure, first and foremost, that we're communicating if clearly and effectively who Jesus is, because that's what it's all about. Uh, and so that's kind of what we're going to be looking at tonight. Uh, and then next Sunday morning, we're going to kind of take some time to step back. And if we, we can look at the identity of who Jesus Christ is, then next Sunday morning, when we kick off lo Local Evangelism Month in all earnestness, 
we're going to step back and examine our, ourselves. We're going to ask who we are. What is, what is our identity? Uh, and we're going to talk about who, our identity in Christ and how that applies to how we should live our lives uh, in, in our everyday lives and, and all of those uh, different kinds of things. And then next Sunday night, we have, uh, we have the opportunity to celebrate communion together. And we're going to be looking at who are we reaching. And it, uh, in the sovereignty of God, it's great how all of these things kind of lined up uh, together. Um, because that Sunday night, I, I, I had planned on talking and focusing on how the cross of Christ and communion can be one of the most beautiful opportunities for Christians to testify about what Christ has done for us. Uh, and so fittingly, then we're going to be talking about who are we reaching? Who are the people that we want to hear that good news? And, and how we want to then uh, identify who they are. If we've identified who Christ is and we've identified who we are, it's also important that we identify the people uh, with whom God, we believe God would want us to reach out. Um, and so then the following uh, Sunday morning after that uh, communion evening, then Pastor Ron is going to talk about what is the gospel plan. Um, and it's important for us to understand that, that the gospel is not something that we as First Baptist Church or Christians in today's uh, generations need to kind of repackage or anything like that. The gospel's God's plan. It's always been God's plan. We need to share the gospel God's way. Uh, and so Pastor Ron is going to talk a little bit about that um, in, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, and then in, in his evening service, he's going to talk about how we pray. Um, we realize as a church, and I hope that all of us as individuals realize that, that any time someone pr- puts their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation, it's a, it's a miracle. And it has everything to do with God and nothing to do with us. And yet, too often, we spend all of our time thinking about how we can um, you know, best communicate the gospel. We, we talk about different methods and means of sharing the gospel, and those things are important. But if it's a supernatural event, then we need to make sure that we're taking the time to step back and say, all right, then how should we pray uh, for our gospel witness and, uh, and those kinds of things. And so we hope that that um, will be an encouragement to us uh, uh, on that Sunday evening from Pastor Ron as well. And then following that, we're going to have the Beacon of Hope presentation on a Sunday morning this year. Um, and during the Beacon of Hope presentation, I'm going to share a brief uh, devotional uh, that, that was going to focus on how do we relate. Because it's so important for us that, that not just identifying who the unbelievers are, but, but then just kind of re- examining ourselves and how do we relate to them and how do we help them to, to, to see that the only thing that uh, is separating them from God is their sin. They don't have to look like us. They don't have to act like us. They don't have to be from the same, same socioeconomic status as us. Uh, so how do we relate to them um, in, in this broken, fallen world? Uh, and so we'll probably incorporate a little bit of uh, when helping hurts, uh, the theology and, and when helping hurts about the brokenness in this world and all those different kinds of things and, and how we have that uh, horizontal relationship uh, with men and women in the world around us. So we're going to kind of be uh, looking at some of those things for the Beacon of Hope um, presentation. And then that Sunday evening following that, Pastor Tim is going to, to go through what do we say. Um, and 
and I'm not sure exactly what he's going to be focusing on, but, but he, he, the, the emphasis on that in our gospel-shaped outreach is that the message has to be Christ. And we're going to talk about that, and I'm going to introduce that a little bit tonight as we're looking into who is Jesus. Uh, but Jesus is uh, the focus of, of our gospel witness. It's not simply just inviting people to church. It's not just simply inviting them to do good things in their life. Um, if, if the only thing that we ever do for our friends is, is get them to go to a, a rally for Franklin Graham, as much as that's an important thing, if they never hear the gospel from us, we've, we've failed them. So those things are all important, but, but Jesus and the message of Christ uh, is the most uh, important message for us. Uh, and then Pastor Ron is going to talk about how do we speak uh, how do we talk with others about the gospel and stirring up conversations and, uh, and those kinds of things? And then I'm going to close us uh, with uh, how do we keep going? Uh, we'll end the month talking about, all right, if all of these things are true and, and we really, uh, our hearts for the last eight weeks have been, or, or eight times together have been stirred up to, to do something with the gospel, if, if, we've challenged, if we've been challenged from God's word that, that we need to make an impact in the world around us, well then, well then how do we keep that momentum going? And how do we keep evangelism at the, at the heart of and the core of who we are as individuals, as families, uh, and most importantly as a church here at First Baptist Church? And, and so that's kind of our, our heart's desire and the, the, you know, the, the 30,000 foot snapshot view uh, of what we're going to be doing this month. And, and then as the Lord leads each week um, and, and the Holy Spirit guides and directs, we'll kind of focus in on, on different things. And, and so, quite frankly, this is what we're focusing on, but, but I can't tell you exactly what Pastor Ron's going to preach on because as he interacts with God's Word, we want that to be an outflowing of what we're studying in the Scriptures, not some prepackaged plan that we came up with. Um, and so I think that's important for us to, to understand. So this is our, our broad outline of where we're going. Um, and I would ask that, much like uh, number six there, that you be praying for this month in my life, in your life, in the life uh, of the body of Christ here at First Baptist Church. Much like Pastor Tim talked about this morning, about us being, uh, you know, friendly and outgoing, and uh, we need to make sure that we as a church are clearly able and willing to communicate the message of the gospel to the people around us. Uh, if we are not both able and willing to do those things, to talk about Jesus and to talk about what he's done for us, then we're not going to see the power of God impacting the world around us. Because God's placed us here so that we could present that truth. And if we're not willing to do it, we're not going to see his hand at work. Uh, God is the one who saves, but he has called the church, he has called us as his children to be involved in that process, and, and so we need to be doing our part, um, and I'm hoping that uh, this month-long focus on gospel-shaped evangelism will help us to do just that. So tonight, we're going to be looking at who is Jesus, and we're going to be spending most of our time in Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23. And so if you have a Bible, open it up there to, tonight. But we're not going to get there for a little while. I'll just warn you up front. 
You say, Chad, it's already been a little while, but there's more to come. So as you're opening up there, I want us to think about if you asked a random person at Walmart who they thought Jesus is or was, what would they say to you? Somebody without a church background, if you ask them who Jesus is or was, what do you think they'd say? And this is the fun part where you get to participate. Nice guy. Now, my teens will laugh at me because sometimes when I do this, my writing is completely illegible. Good teacher, yeah. And, and, and it's just easier for me to just write teacher. But we know that he's good. I don't know. And in text language, that's just IDK. And I know that Karen is very, you know, text savvy, so IDK works for her. Okay, he's a miracle worker. Anybody else? And it's hard to erase things on here, so that weird-looking squiggly on God is, that's the Hebrew. That's the way the Hebrews wrote that, Bob, so. God's son. Yeah, he's just someone in the Bible or someone that you hear about at church. See, there's that Hebrew thing on the O again. <laughs> ah, ran out of room. So, those are all, I think, good answers. And, 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 and I think that's probably a pretty good snapshot of the culture that we live in. That there's, there's all of these answers that, that people don't really have a clue who Jesus is. And I want us to think about tonight that this is a good thing. The best thing that you and I as Christians really can hope for, I think, is someone who really doesn't know about Jesus. Because more often than not, even with our missionaries that go overseas, the more complicated evangelism takes place when somebody thinks they know who he is, when they think they have all of the answers about Christ. And so when you talk to somebody and they're like, well, yeah, you know, Jesus maybe was a nice guy or a good teacher, but I, I don't really know that much about him. Well, man, what an opportunity they've given you. Because you can say, I know a lot about him. I know what the Bible says about him. Can I tell you about him? But to do that, then now you and I have to be willing and prepared to be able to tell them about who Christ is. So just for fun, what do you think uh, of those views that we just had there? Which do you think would be like the most popular in our culture? And I'll go back to that slide so you can kind of look at it. Which of those do you think would be the most popular? Nice guy. Any other votes out there? Yeah, maybe this nice guy that you kind of hear about at church. Maybe, maybe good teacher could be. But what about God's son? Why do you think we wouldn't hear much about this one right here? Sometimes I just like drawing on here. <laughs> Why do you think that people are, that one's not going to be a very popular answer from people who don't know Christ or who haven't grown up in the church. Yeah, sometimes people just don't want to admit that they don't know. And then when they say, if you, if you say that Jesus is God's son, now they have to interact with, well, what does that mean? If Jesus really is God, 
then the things that he said are true, and I'm going to have to adjust my life in the way that I think according to what God says in his word. And I think that that is one of the biggest stumbling blocks to to effective communication of the gospel is that people, one, have wrong ideas of who Jesus is, and then they don't want to be corrected because being corrected with that then also brings in all of that. Well, now I have to interact and deal with that truth that I've been just comfortable living my life without knowing. Uh, And and so tonight we're going to look a lot uh, at who is Jesus, and in just a second here, Lynn's going to cue up a video for me um, that's going to give us some great uh, principles from Scripture about who Jesus is. It's going to give us great biblical descriptions of the reality of what Scripture says about Jesus. And this would be a great thing for you and I to maybe even just be able to jot a couple notes down and say, all right, so when I'm talking to somebody who doesn't really know much about Jesus, here are some scriptures that I can take them to that that will really communicate who Jesus is because that is at the heart of the gospel. And if we can't communicate that well, then we can't possibly communicate the gospel message uh, effectively. So Lynn, go ahead and cue that up. Jesus? This has to be the central question for us as we think about evangelism over the next few sessions. Well, many of his contemporaries from the first century have faded into the dusty archives of history, Jesus of Nazareth remains extremely popular. I typed Jesus into a Google web search and it returned over 1 billion pages. The same day, there were 350,000 news stories that referenced him. And when I check Twitter to see who and what people are talking about, I discover that there are thousands of people tweeting about Jesus every single minute. The name Jesus is in the news, movies, music, hospitals, places of worship, and just about anywhere else. He's trending. In fact, references to Jesus are as common today as a Nike symbol at a sporting event. He seems to be everywhere. He's popular, but the question remains, Who is he? Within Orthodox Christian teaching, the view remains, as it has from the beginning, that Jesus has divine authority to judge all people. There are not many historical figures who have this amount of clout. In fact, I cannot think of anyone with any credibility who has over a billion people throughout the world believing them to be the judge of all people. In terms of our evangelism, before we can begin to speak about Jesus, to the people around us. We must be sure that we have a biblical understanding of who Jesus actually is. Otherwise, we may be simply adding noise to an already confused conversation. The Bible teaches us that Jesus Christ has two natures. It is one of the most difficult concepts to fully grasp. Jesus is fully God, 100%, and he is holy man, 100%. How can both of these be true? The quick answer, is that they are true because the Bible teaches it. This does not remove the mystery of it, however. Something can be believed to be true without understanding how it works. In fact, most of us drive cars. Very few of us know how an internal combustion engine works. 
We know from scripture that Jesus did not have a beginning. He says to some hostile Jewish leaders in John's gospel that he predated Abraham. Before Abraham was, I am. An amazing statement considering Abraham lived and died 2,000 years beforehand. In John chapter 1, we learn that Jesus existed before the creation of the world. In fact, he was the means by which God brought about the creation of the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. At the same time, Jesus had an actual body. He ate, his feet got dirty, he slept, he wept, and he physically touched people. He was fully human. The Apostle Paul puts these two things together in Colossians chapter 2. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. We refer to God in Trinitarian terms. This refers to the tri, or three, unity of God. The ancient formulations of Christian doctrine, the creeds, make it clear that there is one being or essence of God with three distinct co-eternal persons who are equal in power and glory. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit make up this trinity. There is one being that is God with these three distinct co-equal, co-eternal persons. Jesus himself, being God, became human to come and save sinners like you and me. Jesus is God in the flesh. Whenever we read the gospel narratives, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, we see that each one ends on a high note of the resurrection. Further, we see that each author shows the resurrection was not a surprise. Sure, the disciples were surprised, but they shouldn't have been. Time and time again, Jesus predicts his betrayal and death, but also his resurrection. In the rest of the New Testament, the writers look back at the resurrection of Christ for a number of reasons. In 1 Corinthians 15, the point is to remind Christians that just as Jesus was raised from the dead, so too will those who have trusted in Christ. In Revelation 1, the point is to instruct Christians that Jesus has full authority. And in 1 Peter 1, the emphasis is upon the fact that we can endure suffering with the knowledge that Christ has conquered death. And in a verse that we will keep coming back to in our sessions together, his resurrection is mentioned because it shows that Christ is with us in our evangelism. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Since Jesus has risen from the dead, Christians have something to say to the world. Jesus has all authority. He is enthroned and is reigning as the King of Kings. God has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness, having furnished proof by raising Christ from the dead. Jesus is God's powerful, death-conquering, eternally reigning King. Our evangelistic message is declaring that he is the king 
and that all people must be reconciled to him. The gospel message at its most simple is this, Jesus is Lord. Since Jesus rose from the dead, we have to conclude that he did something that only God could do. What's more, he predicted that this would happen, and in very specific detail. Here's an example from the Gospel of Luke. Jesus said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus even said that he had authority to raise himself from the dead. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus said and did things that only God can do. We must believe that he is in fact God, and that we can trust his word. If we are to be people who speak his words to others, we must be convinced that his words are true and trustworthy. We have good evidence for that in his fulfilled predictions. But we also have evidence in how his words so accurately diagnose our hearts. When we read the Bible, and especially when we read the words of Jesus, we discover that they are actually reading us. His words pierce our hearts and show us what we are truly like. And his words can also fill us with hope and comfort. In evangelism, it is important to be clear on what Jesus did as well as who Jesus is. What did Jesus do? In short, he brought reconciliation between two warring parties. The Bible teaches us that we are alienated from God because of our sin and rebellion. It is this sin that separates us from a holy God and a holy God from us. Remember, Adam and Eve were required to be perfectly obedient, and upon their failure to do so, they were cast out of the Garden of Eden. The consequence for sin is death. Well, what are the possible options for reconciliation between a holy God and sinful people? First, God can compromise and forgive everyone. Many people think this is what God is like and what he will do for them. They hope that somehow, despite being sinful, it will just be all right in the end. We know from the Bible and from Jesus' teaching that this is a false hope. Second, we can attempt to atone for our own sin and be perfect going forward. This is the way of religion. People think that by hard work, religious duty, and moral correctness, they can make up for past misdeeds and be reconciled to God. We know from the Bible and from Jesus' teaching that this is also a false hope. Or thirdly, we can have someone who is qualified and able step in for us. Someone who will bear the cost of our rebellion in our place by grace. This is the only real hope we have. Jesus Christ's whole mission was to take our place. As a man, he is qualified to stand in our place. And as God, he is able to stand in our place victoriously. In upcoming sessions, we'll cover this in more detail. For now, suffice it to say, unbelievers need two things. The removal of God's wrath for sin and the security of God's favor. Through the gospel, Jesus brings the unrighteous to God. 
He brings the lost, alienated rebels home. Peter, himself a saved sinner, puts it clearly in his letter. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. It has become increasingly unfashionable to speak about Jesus in terms of exclusivity. Any claims to an absolute binding statement of either morality or religion are strongly resisted in our culture. As Christians, however, we do not have the creative freedom to accommodate the Bible's message to the tastes of our culture. We must tactfully, boldly, faithfully, and lovingly speak God's word. Here is a sampling of verses from the Bible. Listen to them carefully and feel the weight of what they are teaching us. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is not just one way. He's the only way to God. We must tell others about him. The Bible's declaration is broad. All have sinned, but its answer is narrow. Christ is the only way. We don't have to get people talking about Jesus. He's everywhere. But we do have to be sure we are talking about the real Jesus, the one the Bible reveals to be the sinless Son of God who died for our sins and rose again so that we can have the gift of eternal life. I really appreciate the way that, uh, that Eric brings everything together. I, I always appreciate that with, with different people. I love hearing the way people present the gospel because as long as you're clearly communicating scripture, there's not a wrong way to do it. But I love how he brings these different passages of scripture uh, and brings them uh, together in one. But, but I want us to just real quickly think about what we just heard there. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God in the flesh. This is important because there are so many people in our world that do not believe that Jesus is God. They'll admit that he's a good teacher, maybe even a prophet, maybe he even did good things, maybe even a miracle worker. But to admit that Jesus is God gives him the authority to speak what must be done. And so then when Jesus says something like, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me, it, it, it carries a huge weight. And so it's important for you and I as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to clearly communicate to others that Jesus is God. And he is the resurrected king. Not only did he come to die on the cross for our sins, but he has resurrected from the dead, showing his power over sin and death. And that's why the gospel message has power. And that's why you and I should not be ashamed to proclaim that news to people, because it is the, the most powerful message in the world that can bring salvation and eternal life to those who believe. He is the way, the truth, 
and the life. You and I have to understand and be able to communicate clearly that every word that Jesus communicated in Scripture is true because he is God in the flesh and he is uh, truth. But then that he's also the sin-bearing Savior. This is so key for us as well because oftentimes our culture, as he referenced, wants to deal with religion alone. It doesn't want to deal with my need for a Savior or someone else's need for a Savior. And so it's important for us to understand that, that Jesus, to be able to communicate to them that Jesus came because we could not earn salvation on our own. He, someone had to pay the penalty and only the perfect God-man could do that for us. And very clearly, you and I have to be able to communicate that Jesus is the only way to God. All of that being said, we are going to look at some scriptures very quickly that can help set the stage for Colossians chapter 1. You know, this is why I think our Sunday school hour needs to be our Sunday school hour and a half. <clears throat> because I never have enough time, and, and the teens will laugh because it doesn't matter how much time I have, I always want more. Um, but we need to be able to, to talk with people and be able to tell them that what it means to confess with our mouth, what? That Jesus is Lord. It, it, they have to understand that Jesus is God. You and I, to communicate the gospel to them, have to be able to communicate that. And, and then we need to be able to talk to them about belief and, and how that can tell them that they will be saved. Not they might be saved, that they hopefully could be saved, but that they will be saved. Genuine faith and repentance leads to genuine salvation. And we need to be able to communicate that to people. And, and, and yes, we talk about all the time how it's not about just praying some prayer and it's not just saying some words. But those words and those prayers are important because they can help us frame our understanding of I am a sinner in need of a Savior and we need to be able to lead people to that, to that decision that, that Jesus is Lord and understanding what that means uh, for them. A verse that we're going to look at a little bit more uh, in a little bit, but I just wanted to highlight it here that for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That, that phrase, and he, he used it in Colossians 2 as well, but it, that in Jesus, all the fullness of God rests. It's not like he's kind of a little bit God and kind of a little bit man. He's fully God and fully man. He is God in the flesh. All of the fullness of God was pleased to come and dwell in Jesus, the God-man, so that he could die on the cross for our sins. And, and he had to be that perfect, sinless Lamb of God, for us to have salvation. John 1.3 <clears throat> tells us that all things were made through him, meaning that he was here always and all the time, that Jesus always has been. He's the eternal, existent God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. And then a passage that we oftentimes only talk about at Christmas you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, even from the time he was born. It was clear and evident that Jesus was God in the flesh, and he came to save people from their sins. You and I need to be able to kind of 
understand these things and, and communicate them because otherwise we're gonna, we'll allow wrong philosophies into our, our thinking. And some of the wrong philosophies that are out there, all religions are the same. I treat people well and I'm a good person. Uh, I just believe in reincarnation. If I'm good enough, then I'll come back as something better. And if I'm not that good, I'll come back as something worse. worse. Or karma, we get what we deserve. But you and I need to be able to understand and communicate how the gospel clearly teaches that 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 is not true. All religions are, well, really, I guess that one's true. All religions are the same, but Jesus isn't a religion. He is the sin bearer who came so that we could have a relationship with him and have grace and mercy. The true gospel message is the only message in all of the world where we don't earn God's merit and favor. It's given to us freely through his son uh, when he died on the cross for us. And you and I hopefully can communicate why, why treating people well and being a good person and reincarnation and are not true. And karma, we get what we deserve. If you and I get what we deserve, then we would get eternal damnation in hell. But I am so thankful that I'm not going to get what I deserve. Instead, I'm going to get what Jesus deserves because he took what I deserve. And that's that great exchange where, where God put on him all of our sin and, and instead of seeing our sin, he now sees us, we are counted as righteous because of what Christ has done for us. So these, these philosophies are out there, and we need to be able to, to tell them, tell people about who Christ is. <clears throat> In Colossians chapter 1, our passage for tonight, I'm going to mute this for a second. Excuse me, thank you. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 15, tells us this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. As we look through this passage of Scripture together, this is an amazing passage of Scripture which... which in these few verses, unpacks so much of who Jesus is for us. And the first thing that I want us to see is that Jesus is the real deal. He is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. Jesus is all of the deity that we just talked about of God, the fullness of God in the flesh. Jesus is not somebody coming and posing as God. He is not somebody coming to pose as the Messiah. He is the real God who left 
the throne in heaven, who left the Father's side to come and dwell as a man, to live and to die for you and for me. And that is the beauty of the love of God. And we need to be able to communicate to people that Jesus is the real deal. But then we also be able to tell them that Jesus is also the purpose and meaning of life. Look at verse 16 where it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. Everything in this world exists for the glory of God. And he is the one who created it all for his own pleasure and enjoyment. And there is, he is the, God is the only being in the universe that can be selfish in saying that all of this is for his glory because he is the only one worthy of all of the glory that this world has to offer. And that also means then that, that all of the things that people do to try to find purpose and meaning in life are inconsequential compared to knowing the one who always has been and who created everything. And so you and I should be able to communicate to people that the meaning and purpose of life can only be found in Christ. And we can see that here in Colossians. But also, he is the God glue. All things are held together by him. Without Jesus, the world would cease to exist. And it is only by his power, and it is only by the authority that he has, that when he created all things, that he also holds all things together. And that is such a beautiful concept, that, that God is an all-powerful God that not only created everything, and he didn't just set us into existence and say, okay, now go do your thing. He is intimately involved with everything to the degree that nothing even would be held together without his power and his authority holding all things together because he is before all things and in him all things hold together. And we also learn that, that he is human. We see his deity in, in verse 15, but we see his humanity uh, in verse 18 where it says, and he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. He, he broke the power of sin and death when he was resurrected from the grave. He demonstrated that, that he himself has the power of sin and death. And the, that although his human body was broken, beaten, and killed, that there is life after death, and that he is the one who holds the authority for that. Romans 829 highlights this concept for us as well. It says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. When we are in Christ, we, we have the fellowship with Jesus' humanity because we are the, he is the firstborn among many brothers because of what he accomplished, because he accomplished the resurrection from the dead. Those of us who have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ have a hope that will not be put to shame. And we already looked at uh, verse 19, which, which demonstrates to us again the fullness of God, that he is fully God, that he is deity. And, and then in verses 20 through 22, in the beginning of that, we see 
the concept that many of our missionaries use, that Jesus is the bridge man. He is the one who bridges the gap through him to, recon- through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless. We were alienated. We were separated from God. We were sinful. We deserved the wrath of God. But the bridged man bridged that gap so that you and I could no longer be seen uh, as, as the wretched sinners that we are. He bridged that gap between, between sinful man and a holy God. Jesus is the bridge man. And not only is he the bridge man, but he's also the purifier. That verse ends in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Jesus will present us to God the Father as the bride of Christ. He will present us as his treasure, not because we deserve it, but because he alone is worthy of that praise. And he is the one who gets to then present us as holy and blameless in God the Father's eyes. We must, as believers, be able to communicate who Jesus is. And we should be excited about the opportunity. When somebody says they don't know anything about Jesus, or when somebody says something that's incorrect about Jesus, you and I should see that as as an open door opportunity to say, well, would you really like to know who Jesus is? Would you really like to know what the Bible says about Jesus. Those are simple and easy ways for you and I to open the door to the gospel message because Jesus is at the heart of the gospel. Without Jesus, there is no gospel. And so you and I need to be able to to take those opportunities to lead people through what scripture says about Christ so that in doing that, they see their sinfulness They see God's righteousness, and they see that the gospel message is the only way to bridge that gap between those two things. That's what we're we're wanting to be passionate about. That's what you and I should be wanting to share with our friends, our neighbors, and, and people that don't know Christ, and that's what should get you and I the most excited because, you know, as excited as I am that the Gettys are coming this Friday, the angels in heaven aren't rejoicing about that. And as excited as I am to be able to, you know, spend time with my family on a Sunday afternoon, the angels in heaven aren't rejoicing about that. And with the Lions ever should win the Super Bowl, the angels in heaven don't even care about that. But when a sinner comes to know Jesus Christ as Savior, the angels in heaven rejoice about that. Because God is glorified whenever anybody who was in the darkness turns to the light. And you and I should be passionate about the things that make the angels sing and glorify our Father. Amen? I'm going to close this in prayer, and then Chris will come and and lead us in a song uh, as we close our service tonight. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We are wretched sinners who deserve your wrath. We deserve to be separated from you eternally. And you sent your son to pay our penalty. 
And Father, even more than that, now we have the opportunity to be your ambassadors, to communicate to the the world around us that is confused about who Jesus is. We have the truth because you've given us your word. Father, help us to be people that are passionate about communicating that. Lord, help us to not shy away from conversations that may be uncomfortable, that that may lead to people uh, thinking ill of us. Father, whatever those reasons are that cause us to be quiet about Jesus, Father, help us to, to repent from those sins and to be willing to talk to others. The gospel message is simple. Simple enough that a child can understand it. And it's powerful. Powerful enough that the most wretched sinner can be saved by it. And yet, we're often silent. So Father, I pray that through this month that you would prick our hearts, that the Holy Spirit would be at work convicting us of people, men, women, children, that we can boldly share the truth about who Jesus is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is my Savior. And for that, we are so thankful. Help us to share that with others, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Chris?